Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. How you doing, baseball fans? Welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show, presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. This is the All-Star Week edition. I'm John Arezzi. Joining me, two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, member of the 1986 world champion New York Mets, number one best-selling author, the man always tells it like it is, direct from San Antonio, Texas, an all-star forever in the hearts of Blue Jays fans. The baseball life for himself, Mr. John Gibbons. Gibby, how you doing? Well, I don't know about Blue Jays fans necessarily, but my, my mother's eyes, I guess that's all that matters. You're a perennial <laughs> all-star to your mom. That's right. Aren't we all both? So, you know, that's it. <laughs> or we better be or we're in trouble. Right? We better be, exactly, <laughs> or else we're in trouble. Uh, especially your mom is like, yeah, I mean, she's... Uh, Still advises, consults, and is right there for you if you misbehave, John. So she's there watching you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I hope you're having a great All-Star week. Uh, On today's show, we got a big one for you. We are in the middle of the All-Star break, and we will discuss the Blue Jays uh, as where they head into the second half. Uh, We have great news for Toronto fans about the Home Run Derby, which we'll talk about. A very special Gabbing with Gibby uh, brought to you by Tim Hortons. Uh, this week we'll be with Donnie Baseball, the be- uh, the Jays bench coach, Don Mattingly. What a great get that is. We'll have another roast and toast inspired by our friends at Miller Lite as well. So big show today, John, but let's get right into the leadoff. We have to start the leadoff of the home run derby. Vladdy Guerrero gets the crown. And that's something that he's wanted since he broke into the game. And uh, last night he achieved it. Yeah, he gets the crown and a nice paycheck, too. I think they get the million bucks, the winner. You know, and then the second place gets like, I read the 750, and then everybody gets something, right? So hopefully John Schneider gets a little bit of a piece of that pie, too, you know. But anyway, it was was fun to watch. You know, I I tell you, his first round, you know, he went up against Mookie Betts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he he hit a lot of home runs. And it looked like he got tired out there at the end of it, right? He did. And then, then of course, then he's taken on the hometown hero, and yes. uh, you know, and he he made it look easy that that yeah that you know the his first round. I was like kidding me with that. And then uh, of course you know Vladdy rose to the occasion, and you know he, he good good for him, man. You know he 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 almost won at the you know uh, Pete Alonso beat him a couple years ago. I think it was wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, but now he joins his father. How how cool is that? Yeah, the first father-son uh, tandem to win home run derby. His dad, of course, uh, Vladdy Sr., won it in 2007. And, and, and it was kind of cool last night watching it and seeing some of the footage from years ago. And you see a young Vladdy there on the field with his dad. And now, and he had his dad on like FaceTime last night at, you know, during his breaks. And uh, so it was kind of cool. And I think his sense of pride uh, winning it, uh, not just personally, but for the country of Canada and city of Toronto, really meant a lot. And this could be, this could be really a spark plug for him going into the second half because he's now the home run derby king. Oh yeah, you know he one thing, Vladdy, he never lacked any confidence, right? So and so he, he doesn't. He's he knows he's good, but something like this, you know, it, it it's got to give him a boost, right? It's he's he's got to feel good about that. Hey, the only problem is that they, they messed up. They said he was from Cuba or something on uh, ESPN or something. It's like, come on, man. He's Canadian. I think he was born in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of shocked when I saw the graphic, like uh, second player from Cuba other than Yoena Yo- Cespedes to win the home run derby. I'm like, something <laughs> a little wrong here. Get your facts straight. E- ESPN's been going through a little turmoil at the moment, I think, anyway. Yeah, that's a, that's a little uh, early roast, I guess, uh, for them uh, mixing up and, and putting that up there erroneously. But we congratulate Vladdy. It was really great to see, and he had such an you know such an infectious smile. And he got to wear the uh, – they had a jacket made, too, now for the winners of the Home Run Derby. So he had that Home Run jacket on as the king of uh, the Home Run Derby last night. And Yeah, I tell you, yeah. And- Infectious smile. Is that? What, I don't know if that'll ever quite equal the Masters, where you get the green jacket. But you know, it's the start of something. 
It's a new tradition, <laughs> I guess. It's a new tradition. Uh, but, you know, certainly other news going on uh, with the Jays. We congratulate Vladdy. Uh, very happy for him winning the Derby last night. Uh, also, I mean, uh, the Jays are kind of heading into the uh, second half of the year. They're in the wild card that they're, you know, tied for second place in the wild card uh, now. Uh, but there's always, you know, uh, people are talking about, well, the team is flashes of greatness and then they have stumped and they stumble. But, you know, your assessment of them is really interesting. I mean, because a lot of people preordained the Jays as like, they're going to have this monster season and run right into uh, the World Series. But that's not reality, John. Um, What is your your assessment of all of that? Uh, Do you think they were preordained? And and how do you feel about the Jays going into the second half? John, I feel really good. I I think they're they're in a good spot. Naturally, you know, I I picked them to go all the way myself, you know. but it's, I can remember back when I, in 2013, when I came back for a second go round, you know, we had made some trades with brought in Jose Reyes, Burley, uh, Josh Johnson, and, you know, Bonifacio, and then R.A. Dickey and all that. So everybody says, you're, you're shoe into win the World Series. And it wasn't quite like that, right? And so it's, you know, everybody wants the expectations and you want the baseball world to think, you know what, hey, you're legit. That's all you want, right? Now you got to go out and play. But if you really analyze their, their their winner, I mean, there wasn't. I don't think it was the acquis- uh, the guys they they brought in are going to guarantee anything. There's because no, there's no guarantee in that sport, right? And they made some nice additions. You know, Bassett Swanson's pitched very well. You know, they gave up a couple uh, pretty good hitters. Tay uh, Oscar going out there, Gary L. You know, uh, so that you know, but you, I don't think you look at even even with coming off. You know, when you had uh, Barrios. Kikuchi struggled a little bit last year. So to say they're going to win it automatically, it's probably undue pressure. Probably not fair. To, it's not fair to those guys. You know? um, but they've hung in there. They've taken some heat along the way. But you could tell any team out there, and you got to, can't, can't forget, too, that Tampa got off to a historic start, right? But they've slowly come back to the pack. They've had some yeah. injuries. So that's not a normal start anyway. So you take that start out bring them back to the pack a little bit. Things are a little more bunched up than, than – than, uh, they are at the moment or so I think they're in a great spot. Any team out there would take being tied for the second place wild card at the all-star break and feel pretty damn good about it. So, um, so it's all the naysayers out there. You know what? I think, uh, boys ought to be feeling pretty good. And I think they got a nice long run run in them the second half. Yeah. As you said, any team would like to be where they are right now. If you're in that wild card spot, you know, leading the division, you know, but the Rays, as you said, are kind of falling a little bit. They're coming down to earth. As are the Orioles. They're coming down to earth, too. The Yankees. I mean, the Texas Rangers. Judge, and the Rangers. Yeah. Without judge, too, the Yankees are kind of like they're floundering at 500. So uh, I think it's still, uh, you know, with the exception of, uh, you know, the Rays who kind of, even though falling back to earth, are still doing really well. I think the Jays are in a good spot for the second half uh, to uh, to continue on their pace. Uh, but, you know, as we get closer to the trade deadline, uh, what would you be lobbying for right now or if you were in that seat and going to the GM and say, hey, we could really use a hitter. We could really use a left-handed reliever. We could use uh, another starter as a backup. Who would you be lobbying for if you were in that seat going to the GM towards, uh, towards a trade deadline? Well, real, real quick, you know, you, you talked about, you know, the Tampa coming back to the pack, Texas. Yeah. It's such a – it's it, 162 games is a long year, right? And eventually the best teams win. And so the Blue Jays are in a good spot right now, right? What they need, I think what's going to happen probably is they're going to address the bullpen, maybe bring in that extra guy to, to give those some of those guys down there a breather. Because if you look at their, their lineup, there's really nobody in there you, you want to replace or that you can even replace, you know? You can't uh, get some guys having some really good years in the in – the, like we said a minute ago, I think there's there's a nice little run here in the second half, and some guys maybe kind of struggled on and off the first half. Vladdy being one of them are going to take off, and that's that's that'll solve everything. But you and you plus people, you got to remember. I can remember as being when I was a coach and a manager, you want everything, right? You say we want this guy, we want this guy. Yeah, that's ideal, but you can't always get what you want, right? Didn't the Rolling Stones say that or something? That is very true. They did. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even if you want some guys, this guy may be available, but you you don't have the uh, the players to trade him, you know, to acquire this guy. So, so you know, some things got to 
matchup, but it's it's not it's not easy. I can remember going back in 2015. You know, we brought in David Price, but we needed a starter, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're feeling pretty. A lot, a lot will depend on Manoa, right? How he bounces back. But the only real other move that that had a huge impact was Tulowitzki came in, which Perez, because Jose, you know, was getting older and he couldn't move as well anymore, and that, and, and Tulowitzki cleaned up the infield mess. So it wasn't like if if Jose had been playing really well or he was a little bit younger and all that, you couldn't have done that. You wouldn't have done that, right? Yeah. So there's, there's everything's got to match up, and you can't just discard certain guys. They make too much money. You can't sit them on the bench. You can't get rid of them. And, and that, you always have to find a taker. So I think they'll address or maybe bring in a little extra for the for the bullpen because it really in a lot in in reality sometimes that's all you can do anyway. Yeah, and uh, well, they look go, going into the second half. I mean, uh, one thing uh, you brought up is uh, how well Manoa is going to do. He did make his triumphant return to the team uh, last week. He pitched six innings, five hit ball, eight strikeouts, gave up just one run. Uh, and they picked up the W with a 12-2 to blowout against the Tigers. Uh, what did you see about Manoa uh, that uh, uh, indicates uh, one way or the other? You know, he's back for good. He looked, he looked good. Yeah, yeah, Johnny, you never know, really know for sure. He's got to get a few under his belt, you know. I, I was, to be honest with you, I was a little bit, I thought, man, they're bringing him back off a of quick. I hope, hope he's yes. ready, you know. But but they know better than we do. I mean, they're sitting there, they're, they're tracking everything. Uh, it was really... It was a perfect game for him, you know. I mean, it was tight. It was close early, but then they opened it up and gave him a little breathing room. Uh, but you're not going to be able to go off just one start. He'll make a couple more, and then they'll have a better idea. But for his sake in, in the, the you know Blue Jay Nation, it's a, it was a nice thing because he's, he's a key part of that team. And you hate to see anybody struggle that badly and have to go all the way down to A ball, especially when a good kid. But when he makes it back, it makes it that much more rewarding. So, yeah. I think, like we said, it comes down. I think they're in good shape. Hey, it was good to see a smile back in that dugout. And, you know, obviously he's a beloved member of the, of the team. So everybody's rooting him on, but it was really good to see his return. And uh, as you said, we'll have to watch over the next several starts to see how consistent he uh, stays. Cause he is a key member of that staff. Yeah. Um, for this year and many years to come. Absolutely. Well, you are listening to The Gibby Show, presented by our friends at Miller Lite and of All-Star Week. John, I'm sure that uh, both you and I uh, have been enjoying it, uh, enjoying it uh, with uh, a couple of brewskis from Miller Lite. Yeah. Hey, All-Star Week or not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's we're, 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 we're having a couple here or there, man, you know? Always Miller time. All right, we have another topic to bring up, and that is the draft. The uh, Major League Baseball annual uh, amateur draft took place this past week, and the Jays selected uh, a shortstop. They had the 20th pick in the draft, and they selected a 17-year-old kid out of Florida, the first draftee ever from Strawberry Crest High School down there. Uh, and a uh, very unique story on this young man, Um Arjan Namala is his name, and uh, he is actually the was the 11th ranked player on the Major League uh, Pipeline Draft prospect rankings. But what makes his story even more interesting, not just 17 years old, he is a shortstop uh, with uh, immense talent at his age, but he is the uh, first uh, generation uh, Indian. Uh, his parents were born in India and, uh, no, uh, no player of Indian descent has ever been drafted higher in any of the four major North American sports. And, uh, no, uh, Indian, uh, whose parents or heritage was born in India has ever played in a major league game. So an interesting pick for the Jays and a very interesting story. Yeah, it is. It, it, just, show, it just shows you how Worldwide baseball is becoming right. And, yeah, uh, you, I mean, you, you, yeah, globally, yeah. You, you just look at the home run hitting contest last year, and all, all the players from Latin America, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it, what a cool story. And he's ranked very, very high. Uh, yeah. So he's, you know, he's got the skill set, and he grew up in the U.S. Obviously, that's helped him, right? Yes. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how how it all plays out. You know, uh, next thing you know, um, you know, you can if you can expand, you know, baseball. You know, worldwide, it's all it's, it's all it can do is help the sport. 
but it's a pretty neat story. I heard he's a wonderful kid. You yeah. know, uh, first class, and, and uh, so kudos to them. Yeah, you know Sweeney Murdy, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, he he wrote he's a story little... about this young man, and uh, it was out and read it, and 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 what a great uh, uh, story that uh, uh, Sweeney had about uh, uh, Arjan Namala. Uh, so anyway, we're going to look at that closely, and of course, he's only seventeen years old, but. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, up in uh, Toronto, there is a, uh, a pretty good local Indian and South Asian community eager to cheer on somebody like this. I just said it goes global. Uh, so it could be a really good thing down the road to see this young man uh, progress in the Blue Jays uh, minor league system. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It, you know, here's, here's what's so funny about the the baseball draft. You know, if it's, if it's like ba- football or basketball, they go right to the big leagues right or the nfl or the you know these guys these kids will get drafted even that happens some in hockey i think they, they they get drafted and they can play in the lower levels but he but he, he gets drafted the first round he's going to get a nice little bonus and he, he'll go down to the rookie ball and it may be three four five years before the team even sees him right. you know, or the fans do so that's kind of that's kind of the part of baseball it's like you know everybody gets excited and then uh hey what happened to that dude where is he oh he'll be here in a couple of years but it's uh you know hopefully it works out because you know you never know what draft picks you know I was I was one that didn't work out too well, uh, but you know that's uh it'd be, but it got you in cool the game team. got me in the game got me a podcast got me a book <laughs> I got your book right uh, and so many great years uh, uh, for you in the skipper seat uh, for the Blue Jays a lot of wrap up to lead off and now it's time for gabbing with Gibby brought to you by Tim Hortons. Tim's Camp Day is coming July 19th when you buy a hot or iced coffee on Camp Day. 100% of the proceeds will help send many youngsters to a multi-year life-changing experience. Only on July 19th, buy a Tim's coffee and help change youth's lives. This uh, Camp yeah. Day, John, is a big, big deal for Tim's and for the entire country. Yeah, and I hope everybody goes out and supports it because yeah, it's, it's you know anytime you're doing something to help kids uh, along along the way, especially in this day and age, man, we're so tough growing up, you know. Uh, yeah, so we tip our hats to Tim's, you know that uh, that they 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 do this year every year, and, and uh, it's important, man, because we got to take care of our youth. That's our future. And it was great because they've been doing this since 1974. They've supported over 315,000 youths through the uh, multi-year development programs at seven Tim's camps. Uh, collectively, they raised over $12 million last year. And uh, cumulatively, hey. since 1991, they've raised over $230 million uh, for this camp. Wow. So, yeah. It's great to support it. It happens July the 19th, and we'll talk more about it next week right here uh, on the Gibby Show as well. That's awesome. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, our guest is one of the all-time greats of the game. He's a former MVP and AL batting champion, an RBI leader, six-time All-Star, a nine-time Gold Glover, three Silver Slugger Awards, and those are just his player accolades. He won NL Manager of the Year in 2020. His number 23 has been retired by the New York Yankees, and today he is a bench coach of the Blue Jays. It's an honor to welcome Donnie Baseball, Mr. Don Mattingly, to Gabbing with Gibby. Donnie, it's a pleasure to meet you. No, It's a pleasure to meet meet you, John, and, and it's a pleasure to be on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Donnie, uh, hey, listen, you know, Donnie, I got to, I got to admit, you know, because we're we're almost the same age, but I, you know, I, I played a little bit with the Mets in the eighties, but I, I was a huge fan of yours, right? And it's like, uh, you know, when I saw, when I was watching, the, I always watch transactions, even though I'm not in the game anymore on the field, you know, I'm still involved with the heavy. And I when I saw the when I saw the transactions this offseason, when I saw the Blue Jays hired you as a bench coach, I thought it was the best move they could have made, right? Because you know, you, you look at not only your playing career, but your managing career. You know, you look at you and Dusty Baker, what you guys have both done. You know, you, you've you've had a tremendous career on the field. You've been very successful as a manager. And now you're going to go help John Schneider out there, right? And in this day and age, too, when 
the co coaching staffs are very young and inexperienced. I thought the best move they could they made was bringing you in for some of that experience. And uh, was it was that an easy choice for you? It was. E they made it easy, uh, as I as as Ross called this winter and and talked about the situation. And I I'd seen their club. We'd played them a couple of times uh, when I was in Miami the last few years, COVID year, and I think maybe the year after, both times in Buffalo. And so you've seen the talent. Uh, obviously, I'd been to the city of Toronto before, liked the city. Uh, at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do, really. Uh, honestly, right. I, I knew I just didn't want to be in Miami. I thought it was time for a new new voice down there, and, and it's worked out with Skip in, in Miami. Um, and so I didn't quite know what I, I got an eight-year-old, so I didn't know if I'm going to be with T-ball or, you know, whatever we're doing here. Uh, but I think the fit was was right, and I think that's what – what drew me to Toronto, like you said, I think Snides is a, is a really good decision maker and a, and a young manager, um, but knows what he wants to do. Uh, like you said, staffs are younger nowadays. You have a lot more information that filters in. I think you do need to find that balance between the information and some guys that just you got to understand competing and, and getting after it. I think there's some players there that, you know, I felt like my voice was, is good for, for them to be able to talk and, and talk baseball and, and advancement and, and how you get better. And because we got some really good young players, but there's still room to grow. Right. And so I, I felt like Toronto was a great fit for me. Oh, no, no doubt about it. You know, in, in the, in the fans loved it too, you know, and, but there's something to it, you know, the, the game analytics has taken over the game pretty much. Right. But you hit it on the head. Donnie, there's got to be a balance somewhere because, you know, there's human beings still play, playing the game and it's about competing, right? You know, it's like they you know, one of my – and we're going to get into your your career a little bit in, in, in a few minutes. On your, your your production as a hitter, right? They dry, You were run producer. You hit home runs. And you did a lot of other things. But it's like they take the emphasis at it, you know, scoring runs, right, or RBI guys, right? It's like, you know, it's 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 – no, it's not guys – he gets more opportunities. Yeah, some guys do get more opportunities. But if it was if it was all just a guy on third base, infield back, one out, no outs, okay, that's where more opportunities comes in. But there's certain guys that are, are clutch performers, right? And you were one of those guys. That's where. But now nowadays, it's like if we can't put a number on it, it's uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about the analytics world, but but what you your answer is like it's driving me crazy. You know, maybe I, maybe I wasn't smart. Enough. I may, may not, well, I wasn't smart enough to get it all. Maybe that's what my problem was, but did you guys strike in a pretty good balance there in Toronto? I feel like we do. Uh, and it's better. Here's what I feel about the, the numbers. And, and it really has, since I started coaching in 2004, uh, I went to New York with, with Joe Torrey on that staff. Uh, it, it really has just, ballooned and blossomed and <clears throat> almost taken off right to a point where I think it got too far a little bit I do feel like the balance is coming back <clears throat> I think you see some of the hires uh talking to Chris Young down in Texas you know he hires Boach down there uh everybody's into the numbers numbers tell us the story we've always right. been into the we've always been into the numbers we've always evaluated guys by their numbers uh, it's just a lot more now, right? And and I think that causes some, uh, honestly, confusion for players because we've we've we take that number and we kind of want want to teach off of that number instead of teaching off of the let's say the swing or the delivery. Uh, and and I always picture it as, hey, you the numbers tell me what time it is but they don't tell me how to make the clock. And, and as, a, as a hitting guy or a, somebody that's developing someone, maybe a pitching guy or infield, whatever, I know there's a base in there somewhere in the swing and the, in the mindset that creates those numbers. And they'll say, we're hitting too many balls on the ground. And, and, and my answer would be, well, why are we hitting too many balls on the ground? And nobody's trying to just hit the ball on the ground. We all want to hit line drives and balls in the gap and, and balls out of the ballpark. So you're not trying to, but what's causing in the swing for you to do too much of that? And so 
I always look at you got to still be able to teach and understand how things work and not because that's what creates these numbers. And so it's important to understand both sides of this. There's a lot of good information in the numbers. The numbers tell me what a guy's doing. And then I can go and I go, look, I can say, oh, there it is. This is why he's doing that. Right. This is why his ground balls are elevated or whatever that might be. So. I do like both sides of it. I think it's becoming more balanced, though. And I think we maybe we went too far for a little bit there. But I do think it's coming back to like, hey, how do we use the numbers? How do we how do we teach as well and, and compete within that? Yeah I, yeah, I agree with you. Hey, speaking of numbers, hey, I got some numbers right here for you. I was looking over some stuff, right? All right. Hey, uh, this, this is this is for you. You're a Hall of Famer, by the way. All right. You, you won the MVP in, in 85. Right. Okay. You had 727 plate appearances. Off the top of your head, you got any idea how many times you struck out that year with 727 plate appearances? Well, I've heard over the years with all the strikeout talk, right? I know it's probably under 45. 41. Oh, wow. 41, 727 plate appearances. Then, then you came back, your second MVP the following year, 86, you had more uh, played appearance, 742, and you struck out less times, 35. And, you know, you're, you're, but you're, you're hitting home runs, you're driving in runs. Then Wade Boggs was, you know, you were right on his heel for some batting titles. He was winning the batting titles. He struck out more than you did. So I'm saying, and, and I guess my point is, is you know, when you watch a game now, it's like, gosh, it's like, you know, all these strikeouts and I get it, you know, it's, it's all relative the year you play and guys throw really hard. I get all that, but that's a part of the game. I think that drives everybody crazy, you know? And, but the, when I saw those numbers, it's like, you gotta be kidding me, man, with that. I mean, that's, that's, how did you do that? man? Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And I think it is a little bit of difference in the times. I think a strikeout was an embarrassment in when I grew up in the game. Right. It's like right. two strikes, you, you learn to put the ball in play. Right. And that kind of got twisted a little bit, like, hey, an outs and out. And and that's probably a little bit of good and a little bit of bad, right? In the outs and out book. I remember a guy telling me, he goes, I'd rather see a guy hit into a uh, or I'd rather see him strike out than hit into a double play. And I'm like, no shit. Right. <laughs> like, no kidding, right? I don't want to see him hit into a double play either, but if you don't put it play you have zero chance right yes. and that's the way I, I think you looked at it. you have zero chance to get a hit or create anything if you don't put it in play and so I think that's a difference in time that the years I think Gwen was kind of like myself yes. he didn't strike out hardly at all um, Bogsy strikeouts were probably not very big if they were no they were higher but probably not very high um so I think it's a difference in times. The stuff is better. There's no question that there's more guys with power stuff, that when you see bullpens and things, the velocity, uh, there's a lot of guys with power. Uh, I don't I don't quite think that – I think the 96 and 97 is probably the 93s and 94s, right? At, I think that just the way we're measuring velocity is probably better with technology now. So I think the guys that are 100 are probably that 96 guy, right? And I, yeah. I got to believe that Randy Johnson and Nolan and those guys are popping 104s and 105s, right? Because that, that stuff was just electric. Um, <clears throat> so I think it is a difference in times, but it, it was a gift. I feel like I was given, you know, starting, you know, out of the gate. I didn't really – I didn't swing and miss. You know? And I remember telling Trey Hillman, and I know Trey's a friend of yours, I said, I remember times when I got a fastball down the middle and swung through it and was like, what the heck happened? I don't know how I missed that ball, right? That type of thing was your thinking. And I was just, I think, in a sense, gifted with being able to put the ball in play. Well, gosh, I get, get yeah, because, I mean, th- those those are numbers. Like, that's for, like, a, even this, this kid down there in Miami now, Arise, right? Going, he's hitting. Yeah. High. He, he's really got, good, I mean, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, I know he's really good, but he's got more strikers. He's got about that many strikeouts. He's got half a season go, to go. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, for such a productive run producing, High home run, that kind of hitter. I mean that 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 that's incredible. So you're you're a rare you're a rare breed even for back then. But it's kind of like you know, uh, I guess that's one part of the game because I used to strike out a lot because I wasn't a very good hitter, right? 
And so, and so I, I would have fit, but I, but if heck, if you, if you weren't worried about uh, strikeouts back then, you might've hit it. Uh, you know, you might've hit 70 home runs. You might own that record over there. <laughs> well, I did learn, honestly, I did learn to like, cause I was, you know, a low home run guy. And I think that came with time and power because I was hitting four home runs in a ball, four home runs in, in double a. Right. But I was able to drive in a hundred runs with that. So I never really worried about the power. <clears throat> I got a little older and a little stronger. Lou Pinella taught me how to use that bottom hand a little bit better. Okay. Uh, created some backspin for me. I started hitting for some power. And I remember telling Mickey Vernon, who was our traveling hitting guy with New York, and really good guy, I said, Mickey, man, I don't even care about homers. Why, why should I worry about homers? And he says, ah, he says, easy now. He says, that homer will either put a game away or get you back in the game. And that made me think about that a little bit because, you, you know, you play to win games, right? Right. So instead of being able to take that single, every once in a while you want to take that shot, right? And you hit a three-run homer and you're down four or down five. Now we got a game. Or if we're up three and you hit a three-run homer, this one's over, right? That yeah, type of thing. So I started thinking about that a little differently and was able to drive the ball with that um, and still stay within my swing. And that's what that made it better for me. Well, that's awesome. Hey, Johnny, what do you got for Donnie? Uh, it's a pleasure, as I said before, to be able to talk to you, Donnie. Um, you're in Toronto this year, and new team for you, new country as well. Uh, tell us how the experience has been so far this year in Toronto, being part of the Blue Jays and being uh, a member of a team in a different country. Yeah, I've been. Ex I'm excited, and and I I think it's went very well. It's been a new experience for sure. I live 10 minutes from a ballpark. I don't have a car there. I walk every day to the yard, which is kind of cool. Uh, I, I picture it kind of, it's like living in, in Manhattan and walking over to the ballpark every day, which is really cool. Toronto's a great city. Uh, it's definitely different representing, you feel like you represent the whole country. It's, it's a new experience because, uh, you know, we go to Detroit just there the other day when, you know, Danny Jansen hits that homer in the ninth, the place explodes, right? When we're in Minnesota, something good happens for us, the place explodes. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, the the Canadian fans, they they travel well, and I hear the experience in Seattle is crazy uh, yes. with the number of fans up there. So uh, it's been really good. Uh, I've enjoyed the organization and, and really what they're trying to do. And, and the players, they got a, they got a talented group. Uh, I love being able to work with John. And, and again, he's, a, I think, a really decisive guy. He knows what he wants to do. Uh, but it's, it's also, I think, for him, I want to be a voice and a set, of, a set of eyes and give him something to think about, right, as he's making decisions or if he's got something going on in the clubhouse. You know, here's, here's, a, here's something, a way to deal with that. And that's been fun for me because, you know, I really like John and what he does and the staff. And so it's been good to feel like, you know, almost like a Don Zimmer type, right? Where I, I don't want to be, I feel, I don't feel old. I feel great. I know I'm getting older, but I know I've went through a lot and been through a lot in the game and seen a lot of changes. And, and I think that's always good to be able to pass that along. Yeah. As your role as uh, the bench coach for the Jays, assisting John Schneider, who's in his first full season as a skipper for the team, uh, describe some of the things that you do with John, the relationship, the back and forth. I mean, with your experience and your vast history in the game, I'm sure Schneider uh, learns from you. But uh, tell us about that dynamic and what you actually do during a game for uh, for Schneider. So, so like during the game, I'm going to prepare really just like I'm managing the game. And, and knowing I've been in his seat, I know he's got a lot going on. He's either got pitching, what's coming, where I want to go, who do I have left in the bullpen, uh, what I want to do. But then offensively on the other side, I just want to be kind of trying to stay with him and stay ahead. You want to pay, hey, we got this guy coming up. Would you run for him? Would you hit for this guy if they go, you know, a certain pitcher? Uh, you know, on the pitching side, I've kind of really tried to watch our guys first because I didn't really have a good feel for that staff other than a few of the relievers. Uh, that I had in Miami. Uh, so him and Pete have been going through that, but more and more, I feel like I'm, I got a pretty good feel for our staff uh, and then listen to our guys in our pregame meetings and things like that. Uh, if there's any thought on that side of it, 
I think him and Pete are, are pretty much tuned in on the pitching, but there are times I know I want to be prepared if he says, what do you think here, right, or what do you want to do here? And if I would see something, I would, would, would suggest it. But for the pitching side, I've tried to stay away, but really try to be ahead of the game for him, make sure guys are ready to play. Uh, as far as, hey, we may run here. If I if we run here, you're going to second base. You're going to be catching, you know, whatever those moves are. So I'm trying to stay with the players on that side of it and stay ahead so they're prepared and don't get caught off guard. Who's impressed you the most during the season uh, with, uh, you know, with the team uh, on their dynamics? And, you know, who's who's been the kind of the guy who say, wow, this guy's doing wonderful. I mean, I'm really impressed. Well, there's a lot of guys uh, that are I feel like are doing really well. Guys that I don't know have been like uh, Swanson and the bullpen has been really good. Uh, I mean, we kind of beat him up early. We could see there was a little section in the first half that he just ran out of gas, and we needed to get him get him off his you know get him some rest in there. He's been really impressive. Uh, obviously, watching Romano, uh, a guy that bounces back, doesn't seem to be bothered by you know he's given up a couple of homers late that that cost us, but he doesn't seem to be bothered. Bounces back the next time out, which is always impressive. Uh, Gosman is is kind of ridiculous as you watch him, how good he is uh, and what he does. And honestly, Barrios and Kikuch have been hanging, keeping us in it, right, with Alec, you know, struggling early. and looks like hopefully he's back on track. They, they've been impressive. Uh, Bo is, is impressive at the plate. You know, what he does and, and the way he stays inside baseballs and, and how, he, how he, he attacks up there, I think he's got room to grow honestly, and develop and really turn into, I think there's more power there. I mean, I think there's power there now, but I think there's 40 homers in there uh, as he grows and matures and understands what he wants, exactly what he wants to do up there in situations. Obviously, Vlad, what he was, what he, what he can do and his swing. These two are kind of like, they remind me of like Big Poppy and Manny. You get those two guys back yeah. to back in the order as they get better and better. You want you want you want to feed those guys. We got to get guys on base in front of them. So really impressive with those two guys and their swings and, and how good they are. Uh, Whit Merrifield's been, you know, I see I had Whit in Japan for a small period of time. You don't get to see much, but he's one of those guys that I'm sure, like, well, I know he doesn't really do well with analytics. You know, it's like, oh, the exit velocity, but he just seems to get two hits every day. Right. And when he plays, he gets on base, he steals a base, uh, he does different things for you. And he's just one of those guys that the analytics don't love. Right. But he's a he's a really good baseball player. So he's been impressive. Um, you know, Chappie, the start he got off to was crazy. Right. And, and Roland and how good he is defensively has I heard about it. But wow, this guy's really good defensively. Um Shoot, I go up and down. I keep going. I, I like. Yeah. I love our guys. I love this team. I, I think we have not really hit our stride. Maybe we're starting to, uh, but we've hung in there. You know, in this kind of marathonish race, we've we've stayed. We've kept in stride. We're in stride and in position to get going and really get hot. And I remember it was. I don't know if it was June or or May or whatever. We were feeling like, God, we're just not playing good. And Ross came in and we were. 19 and 12 or 18 and 11 or 19 and 11 or whatever, because we had the best record in American league this month. I'm like, wow, it doesn't, it just didn't feel like, cause we feel like we're better. Right. And I think right. we feel like the, we're, we're, we got more in the tank and hopefully we kind of hit that stride and really play the potential second half. Yeah. You guys, hey, you guys are in a good spot. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. You hear, you know how they, they, they kind of certain teams, they crown them champs, you know, before the season even starts. We all know that that's, right. you know, but it's nice to have those expectations. But if where you guys are sitting right now, you know, he, Tampa got off to a historic start, right? That's not that doesn't happen that often. But so where you're at right now at the All Star break, you, you know, people out there going, "Well, you struggle, and what's wrong with the team?" Nothing's wrong with the team, you know. Like you said, you haven't hit your stride. But you're, if the if the season ended today, you're in the playoffs. I mean, right. what more could you ask for? You know. But I right. agree with you, man. I, I think I think you guys are going to get on a nice little roll here at the end. 
um, you, but you're hanging in there. Naturally, you've struggled a little bit against the American League East, but that'll improve. You, I mean, you're you're too good a team for somebody to dominate. You know, you know. Yeah, it cycles, right? And I, and I yeah. talk about the like the Boston thing for us has been a struggle for some reason. Uh, and they match up pretty good with us. They got a lot of lefties in the lineup. Baltimore matches up good, but they got a lot of lefties in their lineup. They put pressure on our right-handed pitching. Um, <clears throat> we only got one lefty out of the pin, so like we can't. It's hard for kind of hard for us to match up with some of these guys. Uh, pitching wise, but <clears throat> when I was in Miami and, and we had a we had a couple of teams that were were really competitive, but for the most part we always bumped on Philly, and for some reason you have that one team out there that you beat for whatever reason things go your way the ball bounces your way and Boston's been that team for us that we've struggled with, but we'll get over that hump. You beat them once, you beat them twice, the next thing you know it, that that's gone. Exactly. Yeah, you got you guys are in a good spot. You know, we're still uh, naturally our team or our podcast here focuses mostly on the Blue Jays because I spent a lot of time there. But all that aside, the, this uh, that I'm a fan of you guys up there. You, you got you got a good team. You're going to be in a good spot. You know, so I think so. Well, well uh, hey, tell you one thing. A couple more questions, and we'll let you go, man. Enjoy your All Star break, Donnie. Hey, what was it? Hey, what was it like playing for old Steinbrenner, man? Uh, you know what. <clears throat> There you go. I coughed right during that, right? Like, wait, two sets time right But he could be tough, right? And um, and he, but the one to me, and I always talk about positive. Number one, he does a lot of things, and he did some things for me. You know, just when I hurt my back and things like that, he does things for people that you would know you would never thought, and really kind in that way and generous. Um. I, I like the fact that he was expecting to win every year. You know, I think we've seen some teams out there that say, oh, we play 500. You know, we, we get, maybe we were rebuilding. There is no rebuilding in New York with Mr. Steinbrenner. It was like, we're here to win every year. Uh, and that's a good feeling, even if you don't. Like, he, you know, that's what, that's what we're after. I always felt like that was uh, a healthy thing. So that was good. The other side's tough that when you don't perform that you he's not afraid to, you know, to talk to the New York Post and let the fans of New York know <laughs> that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that can always, you know, if, if you got that thin skin and trying to play in New York and deal with that, it could be a little worrisome for you. <laughs> hey, but you're one of the tough dudes from Indiana. Well, heck, you never you didn't struggle, man. You didn't have to worry about George. Oh, I struggle plenty. I always say nobody gets out of New York alive. You always you're gonna catch the boo birds. You're gonna it's tough. Uh, it's a tough place to play. I think it's a great place to play because of they understand the game. And when you get a guy over from second base or get a bunt down or make a good defensive play and make the right decision and you play the game right, you play hard, they appreciate that. And that's always good for guys that can play. Uh, I always felt like New York is good for guys that can play because they put pressure on you to come out and perform all the time, not just like – and I've seen it a little bit in L.A., honestly, like, hey, they kind of golf clap a guy for two years when he had one good year, and it's like, New York, that doesn't happen. You know, they're yeah. going to say, hey, where is it at? We want it tonight. We yeah, Yesterday don't matter no more. Let's go. Let's do it. I want to see it tonight. Right. Yeah, but, Donnie, even if you're a good player, everybody can't play there. I mean, you're one of – you're one of, you're a – Rare, you're in that rare category because the pressure, the constant, uh, you know, I, I spent about a year and a half with the Mets, you know, up and down, didn't play a whole lot, but I felt that, you know, I could see, and I, but I talk about intimidation. It's like, you gotta be kidding. It's like the old movie escape from New York. Remember you talking about the old movie? <laughs> right. I always but, think of it like this. And I tell, tell Joe T when, when I was coaching, I'm like, you can't be afraid of the field in New York. You cannot be afraid. If you're afraid of the field and what can happen out there, that's trouble. Right. And, and to me, it's like if that was the one thing as a young player, I mean, you know, I'm from Indiana, I'm from a small town. I get there, I'm, I'm 21 years old and like driving around New York scares the crap out of me. Yeah. Right. That kind of thing scares me. But I always the one thing I could always bring it back to is I can take care of this diamond part. I can play. I know how to play this game. It's the same anywhere I go. Mm -hmm. So I always felt like if I can take care of this part, I'll, I'll learn to deal with everything else. But I'm going to take care of this field because I know how to do that. And I know I can do that in my heart. I know I can play here. 
right? And so I always thought about it in those terms, like I'm going to play the game because it's the same here, same mound, same distance, got to hit the same breaking ball or make the same play no matter where I'm at. And that's the way I always tried to look at it. Well, wow, that's a hey, that's that's pretty impressive, right there. That's what a what a refreshing way to look at it. It ain't that easy though, but I would. <laughs> well, you, but to me, it was it, that's probably the way I survived it best, right? For right. me, maybe someone else would think of it differently, but I always thought I can take care of this part of it. And you did, man. You did a tremendous job, Johnny. You got anything left for me before we let him go? Enjoy his All Star break. Yeah, one uh, last question: uh, How often do you get asked to shave your sideburns? More in Toronto now than anywhere. I I have signed more Simpsons pictures in Toronto. And it's funny, Toronto and Australia. When I took the Dodgers to Australia to start the season, there was a lot of like, hey, Madagny, shave those sideburns. And in Toronto, a lot of pictures. Uh, Yeah, there's something about that. And it's crazy how how long ago that was right pop culture right 1992 1990 31 years ago yeah i remember going to the to the to the radio station or wherever we went to the studio steve Sachs and myself both uh did our voiceovers in probably 20 minutes 30 minutes right and then everybody thinks you went and acted and all this other (laughs) stuff you go read some lines and it it comes out and next thing you know it's something like that so it's, it's really uh kind of cool to be a part of that that show yeah that's it, cool. Donnie. that's awesome man well listen hey we can't thank you enough for coming on here you know you're doing a tremendous job with those guys and keep it up and we're we're rooting for you and uh hey thanks for taking the time it's not not easy to step away you don't get many days off so good luck all to you right, pal good. all good good to talk to you john and john here we go john thank you john. thank you don all right thanks, Donnie. see you guys Appreciate all right it, take pal. care Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly joining us for another great gabbing with Gibby. Another awesome guest, John. What a great guy. Yeah, you know, he's been, uh, you know, even though we're similar in age, I was always a big fan of the guy, you know, you know when he's playing for the Yankees. Tremendous career. In my eyes, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, they got to put him and Keith Hernandez both in the Hall of Fame. On the you same know, day, they, they should. Exactly. They're both in New York. They're handling those, you know, the Mets and the Yanks. But, um, you know, he, he, he look, not, not only was he a great player, he went on to be a very successful manager, you know, he did. with the Dodgers and then the Marlins. So I thought it was a great, great sign, you know, when the Blue Jays brought him in because he gives him, gives him some stability, some ex- very gr- great experience. And, you know, just you, just you heard him talk, you know, he's just he's a very calm, soothing guy, but a lot, a lot of wisdom, you know. So quiet uh, leader, quiet leader, he seems to yeah. be. Yeah, but you know he he care he he, uh, he care he's got that he's got that it whatever that is. Yes, he is that indelible it factor. But uh, it factor. It was, it was a pleasure, man, because I yeah, certainly followed his career. Uh, I was always a fan of, of Don Mattingly, and I'm so happy that he's with the Jays. And and maybe uh, this could be the year that he finally gets that taste of the World Series. It would be really yeah. Cool. That's right. Exactly. All righty. So now it's time for the. Uh, Roast and Toast, inspired by our friends over at Miller Lite. John, it's time for this week's Who We Get a Roast, Who We Get a Toast. And uh, roasting is interesting this week. It's like I've noticed, and I'm sure you have, uh, there's a a growing number of players that have decided – for whatever reason, not to go to the All-Star game anymore. And it seems to be getting more each and every year. This year was several, over 10 uh, for sure, that have opted out of the World Series for various reasons. When I was growing up, and I'm sure when you were growing up watching the game and even being in the game, that was kind of an honor for a guy to be selected to the All-Star team. And now it's kind of like maybe not as important as it used to be. And I think it's, uh, I think I got to I gotta say we got to roast those guys that, each and every year don't go to the game if you're injured it's one thing but just not going because you don't want to go is another thing you were selected what's your opinion yeah yeah if, you know if you're a little bit banged up or something i get it you know that's you know your, your, your loyalties to your team you need those few days but you're right it seems like it does seem like it's kind of ho-hum you know we get some of these guys that go every year and even like the home run hitting contest you know some of your top home run hitters don't even get into that you know I understand that a little bit. It's like the slam dunk contest, right? 
but it, it, it uh, you know, it, it is, it's still a uh, great honor for all these guys. Maybe, maybe it's just because we're old farce, but I, I can remember watching that the All Star game as a kid, man. Like that's, and it, but it was it almost seemed like more intensity. Heck, you can go back and remember the old Pete Rose Ray Fossey play. You know, when in yes. uh, yeah, that was yeah. Oh, oh, Pete got a little carried away there, but uh, you know that it, it's like the the game. It's just like a regular game, just the star players. Now it's just it's more become more of a show. You know, it's more but, organic uh, too hey, with the uniforms. I, mean, I used to love seeing like all the players in their in their team yeah. wearing those. Yeah. And what a sense of pride! And it was always an exciting event. And now it seems like home run derby is kind of even more important than the All Star game for whatever reasons. But uh, hey, listen, it's it's the times that we live in today. But sometimes I wish we could go back and kind of just like bring back some of that tradition that was so important during the All Star week. Yeah, I, I guess. Guess what? you you and I never got a chance to be major league all stars, you know. But some of these guys they they get picked every year, so maybe it'd be oh, not again. I don't, not again. I don't know that feeling. Got to do this media again. <laughs> so anyway, but anyway, that's the uh, that's the roast. But on the toast, uh, we got to give the toast this week to that Cincinnati rookie sensation, Ellie De La Cruz. I've never seen a play like this before in the game. He's still second, third, and home in the span have- of two pitches. In the span of two pitches, uh, he became the first Reds player since 1919 to steal second, third, and home in the same inning. Uh, and it was the latest electrifying feat from this franchise-changing cha- rookie. And he accomplished his feat against Milwaukee reliever Elvis Pajiro. So it was an exciting play, John. Got a toast. Oh yeah, you don't. You, you you don't. Oh yeah, it's it's you know this kid's done nothing but excited everybody, electrified the baseball world since he showed up, right? And uh, he even hit for the cycle too, I think, didn't he? Yes, he might. He's already yeah. hit the cycle. But I got to tell you, I've seen it before. I saw it in 2018. Kevin Pillar do it. No kidding. And the difference, yeah. And, and of course, Kevin was on. You know, it was a Blue Jay on my team, so I got I liked his a little better because you know it was against Dylan Batanzas, Yankees. You know, I think we had a, it was a close game, one run, one run lead. He gave us insurance run late in the game. You know. I, I guess where I'm going to give the nod to Pilar's because he didn't run as fast as uh, the other guy, you know, even though, you know, Kevin can run a little bit. The problem is he got, he get a little carried away now. He's stealing all the bags. He thinks for crying out loud. Cause then we had a game in New York. He tried to steal third with two outs and got blown up. We were down a couple of runs. I had a snap on him. I said, Let's go, dude. That, that, that's like, a, that's a cardinal sin, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I got tremendous feet. You're not going to, you're not going to see that very often. If you ever may never see it again, I got to give the nod to old Kevin Pilar, though, because he's one of our guys. There you go. All but right. toast them both. Yeah, toast them both. Why not? Why not toast them both? Uh, hey, I got a hey, hey, real a hey, real quick though. I gotta go, I gotta go back on that roast a little bit. Honorable mention. I was watching uh, the pre All Star game stuff. You know where they interview the players. They all they all come out in the different media and go around to each player and talk about the you know the honor and all that stuff. And somebody went up and they were, I think it was MLB Network, they were interviewing uh, Whit Merrifield, right? Oh, Whit, man. You know, Whit's just about third or fourth All-Star games. He's a, he's a tremendous, great player. and Just a good guy. All they wanted to ask him about was uh, Vladdy Jr. No. Boy. We're crying out loud. It sounded like, you know, hey, what, how about talking to Whit about, you know, hey, nice, another nice honor here, pal. I said, that, so I got to roast whoever that was. Well, that was total, total little bit of disrespect there. I mean, you know, you have a guy to the game, you asking him about Vladdy the home run derby. I mean, come on, give me a break, as they would say. <laughs> wow. Well, that's going to about wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show. Uh, for John Gibbons, this is John Arezzi. We are going to talk more baseball with you right here next week. So have a great week, everybody, and go Blue Jays. <laughs>